gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. And it's going to be a fun show. Definitely got a lot to discuss. There's some MMA news out there, some news nuggets. Kind of some drama, if I'm being honest. And, uh, of course, tonight we have... This is when you need the two-TV deal. Tonight we have PFL, week two of the 2022 regular season. It's light heavyweights and featherweights in action. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, because Lance Palmer and Chris Wade. It might be heavyweights in action. Excuse me. All right, so you got you got PFL going and the NFL draft. So that's cool. And then, of course, uh, you know, mixed martial arts coming up on weekend with the UFC, <laughs> what seems to be their weekly show. They got a fight night card. Uh, it's not a pay-per-view, but, you know, one thing I'm finally figuring out, they, they have these fight night cards and some that are labeled ESPN cards, whatever. To me, it's either a fight night or a pay-per-view. It's a fight night. We're not paying for it, so it's a fight night. Uh, but it's all in the labeling. It's all in the SEO for all you young bucks that are trying to start a new podcast. It's the stuff the editors always drill in my head. Anyway, so we'll preview that as well. And, uh, yeah, we're also going to talk to Michael Rosenthal from Boxing Junkie, which is part of USA Today Sports, obviously. And we'll talk to him about you know everything that's been going on, I guess, lately that attaches our sport to boxing. And that's uh, the, the big news being Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou in the ring after Fury's win over Dillian White this past Saturday. Chris Cyborg also said, I want to try boxing. And she's a free agent later this summer, so it might be easier for her. Uh, Kamara Usman trying to get in there with, with uh, Canelo, all that stuff. So we look forward to that. And you can catch his latest article straight at Boxing Junkie or over at Yahoo. Michael Rosenthal's been covering boxing for a long time, so we look forward to that chat. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday, April 28th. Go since we're gonna end in boxing, we'll start with boxing, and then we'll the the big meat of the show will be MMA, of course. But Kamaru Usman and you know him and Ali Abdelaziz have been chirping, right? They want that fight against Canelo Alvarez. Of course, I don't really think they have much of a chance. The same way I think Canelo Alvarez has no chance versus Kamaru Usman, not just in the octagon, but on the streets as well. So our guys are just tougher, man. However, right now, the way pay works, it's more lucrative for them to box. So that's why our guys have to try and convince you that they would have a shot. And they don't, in my opinion. But, you know, I look, with, with, with Nganu, they're, they're talking about a hybrid fight with small gloves and 
I know you said that makes a difference, especially because Fury has been knocked down, though not knocked out. And heavyweight power is a whole different other animal, right? Uh, but Canelo versus Usman, again, the four-ounce gloves would be in play. But I, I, you know, I think I would imagine he would he would want that. But sorry, and so. they they haven't actually brought that they haven't actually brought that up. So now you're just talking about the regular. I guess they use ten ounce gloves once they get past one fifty four, which they would here. Um, Canelo, man, just literally, he Conor McGregor, Ali Abdelaziz with. Uh, not who the fuck is this guy, but he just basically said, who the fuck is this? Um, and then Ali responded, you know who I am. And then once Usman got involved, Canelo told him, hey, look, just basically, I mean, I'm not going to recite every single word, but basically he said, get in line. You know, uh, I I'm trying to create a legacy over here because he is going for his fifth boxing title. He wants to unify he wants to be the 175-pound champ, so that's light heavyweight across the board. Uh, those guys were telling him, hey, you're ducking Triple G and you know all this stuff. What did you think of that whole thing with Usman and Canelo Alvarez? I thought it was silly, dude. Like, really, you know what it reminded me of is pro wrestling. When you have someone like The Rock and then some jobber comes out and just starts talking, that's the way Canelo made it look. Because he just looked like he made it very clear, like, dude, you got to get in line for this. Like, I'm doing something else here. I'm more preoccupied with what's going on here. I don't even really know who you guys are. I don't know why I would ever do this. So, like, uh, I thought he made them look silly. And I think if they keep chasing it in that regard, then, yeah, they're they're not just going to look silly themselves. But the sport's going to kind of look goofy. Like, it just made – in a way – it almost makes them kind of look like uh, like a Paul brother or something. Like it, it's just weird. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. If anything, go box Jake Paul. I think you might. It seems like that guy makes um, pretty good money, and he'll pay you pretty good money. Maybe not as much as Canelo, but if you really you might want win. that payday, go. Yeah, maybe maybe go fight him, and you might have a shot. Look, let's be fair. Tyron Woodley, I thought in the first fight, I mean, I know he got completely clocked in the second fight, but in that first fight, you know, he got past the first couple rounds and Paul was, Jake Paul was hurting, man, with his cardio. He just didn't turn it on, you know, otherwise I think he may have gotten that W and, and Usman's younger than Woodley, fresher, you know, I think, I think he probably would have pounced on that. If he would have seen that, I think he would have pounced on that if he was in the same position. Um, you never know, but uh, another article that I read that made me think, and I'll tie it in because I want to keep it here, was GSP was talking about uh, Shemaev can't, hold on, let me get this right. GSP was saying Shemaev can't have those types of fights with Burns because otherwise it's not going to be good for your long-term standing, you know, within MMA. And I think what he means is probably health, but I think what he means is that's not the way to just dominate either. You know, you get to end those firefights a little bit. You have to kind of stick to your bread and butter, which would probably be the wrestling. But the whole thing is, is I was thinking about it. I remember going, well, he is the GOAT. You know, he, he can chime in on, on these young guys. And as I said that, I thought, 
yeah, he is the GOAT still, not just to me in terms of all of MMA, but obviously welterweight. Like, why I think Usman sh should still get at least two more defenses to get him up to seven. He's at five right now. GSP's at nine. We never said he had to break him. It always helps if you break him. If you get to 10, well, that's more than nine. But as the mock game has evolved and, you know, it just seems you, you have less. I don't want to call them cupcakes. It just seems like it's just way tougher now because one through 10 are really, really legit. You know, a, a lot of times people will make the case for you that, that you may be the greatest, even though you have his main title defense. I, I just think Usman needs another solid year in MMA and then maybe think about that lucrative payday somehow. And maybe in, in doing that, he can put himself in a position like Ngannou has done where you just don't sign those extensions. That way, when you get to the end, even with your championship clause and all that stuff being triggered, you're a lot closer to just being a free man to do this on your own. Yeah, I mean, like, when you look at GSP, he did it right, you know? And you look at Kamaru Usman, he's on his way. And I don't think he needs as many defenses as GSP for basically what you said, which is weird because GSP's that one guy that when you kind of pick apart, he fought all the top dudes of his era. And he fought them when they were pretty much at their best. I agree. And that's what, that's what separates him, I believe, a little bit from Anderson Silva. Is Anderson Silva fought a lot of tough fighters, um, but he had he sprinkled in some some matchups that just didn't really make sense, and then some matchups where they were decent fighters, but he didn't really put his foot on the gas, you know, in certain fights. I think that's what separates them a little bit. So, yeah, I agree with you in that sense. But Kamaru, yeah, he's still got work to do in MMA. Canelo still got work to do in boxing. Um, it's just not like the type of fight that you need to see, like. Fury and Ngannou, you can kind of sell that a little bit. Baddest man on yeah. the planet. That 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 makes a little bit more sense, even though it doesn't really make sense when you think about it, but it makes more sense than this one. Well, they've at least agreed to the hybrid gloves, you know, or hybrid rules involving the gloves. That's been kind of acknowledged. Like, you didn't see Fury going, what, what? You know, I mean, when it was mentioned that there would be some, you know, give and take as far as, like, advantages... You know, Fury seemed to be on board. And then we know Ngannou's contract situation. The UFC's yet to really lock him up. And then Ngannou even came out and said, I don't care what you guys are saying, you know, about contract extensions. I need this to be possible. I need to, the ability to get out there and box Fury. So I want that in my next contract, which, by the way, as soon as I said that, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. But, yeah, like, Usman and Abdelaziz, I guess if they're breathing it into existence so that in a few years we can look back at that, okay, I get the strategy. You know what I mean? But right now, I'm like, we got a formidable number one in Leon Edwards, and then you got guys chasing like Hamzat Shemaev, um, primarily, I guess, him, now that he's beaten Gilbert Burns. You know, eventually he might have to run into a Colby Covington part three that might be taken care of just with Shamayev versus Colby Covington, you know, one or the other. So get those title defenses and lock up your own sport, in my opinion. And as that happens, the popularity, your popularity will grow. Um, you know, but I, I, I would just hate for him to, like, 
Ed Edwards and then spend a whole year. I know these guys. They need a whole year to get out of MMA mode and get proper boxing and proper preparation, you know, and that's a whole year out of his life. And then by the time he comes back, you got a lot of young cats, man, who may take out um, Kamar Usman. And he may not even go down as the best Walter whatever. And, and yeah, that, and then, that would be sad. Remember, Woodley was trying to campaign that he was the best one ever. He got it. He got the four title defenses, and then he just kind of went away. If Usman does not look good in his next fight, or what, like any bad thing that happens going forward, people are going to blame on this situation. They're going to say, "Well, you shouldn't have been focusing on boxing. You should have been focusing on your career." Like honestly to me it just doesn't look good because it, it, it just really looks like somebody that's chasing another person that doesn't want to be chased that that has no uh just cannot even fathom in their head why <laughs> these people decided to pick on them and like I, I don't know i think canelo's done a really brilliant job psychologically of just messing with usman and his camp really yeah i think he got them both on this little exchange all right let's switch to mma but we're gonna Pivot nicely here because in talking about Nganu, we'll go to the heavyweight news that came out. John Jones posted that he heard from Miocic's camp that Miocic won't be ready until September. So he said, well, I want the best Miocic ever. He even went to point out that he's the GOAT. I don't know if that's a, a, a jab at Nganu or what, because Nganu and Miocic are technically one and one. It's just that Miocic has four title defenses and Ghana only has one. So I don't know if it was a subtle jab or what, but I guess, you know, he might have a case. You know, Miocic may still be regarded as the, the greatest heavyweight of all time. So he says, I, I want to fight the GOAT at his best. So I'm willing to bait, I'm willing to wait. And, you know, he made it clear that he had wanted to fight him this summer. And I think I had heard Dana White also say that somewhere in the last few scrums in the last few months. I was looking forward to it, and but now he's saying September, and he says, "I guess I'll wait," which is only two months later. But damn, man, like that'll be two and a half years since Jones has fought, and it'll be one and a half years since Miocic lost to Nganu. And I'm thinking, holy cow, these guys like neither one's gonna be at their best, at least not till they shake off some of that those cobwebs. You know, early on, early on, I, I don't know that we're going to be looking at the, you know, their best, them at their best uh, talent-wise. I feel like somewhere in that fight they'll find their groove if it doesn't end soon. But uh, I just, I, I don't understand it, man. They, some of these guys really, really take a lot of time with me. Oh, just, holy cow, if you look back at his at his career, he's once-a-year guy, and I, I respect that he's a frontline worker you know he's a fireman and now he's gotten back full-time and i know he's had his kids but i've seen this guy like when he loses especially he always talks about i just want to get back in there i just want to get back in there kind of like i want to get that taste out of my mouth that losing taste but boy that that taste must not taste too bad because it takes a while to get that guy back in and he keeps getting older yeah i think first and foremost the reason why he went with goat I think isn't really to take a shot at Francis. I think it it's more to make himself look better. You know, yeah. hey everybody, the guy I'm fighting is the toughest in the world. And if he beats him, he'll do the same thing for Francis. You know, uh, I think John sometimes is smart in that aspect. But the thing is, I don't think anybody really falls for it. But but anyway, there's that. 
And then, yeah, the actual fight, it's like, I don't care how great you are. There were stints where, like, Michael Jordan went away for a while. And when he came back, he didn't look the same right away. It took a while for him to kind of get back what he used to have. And no matter how good you are in mixed martial arts, I do feel like uh, you're playing with fire. The longer and longer you're out, you're playing with fire. You you have to be doing this consistency, consistently to be great. He'll be 40, actually, by the time they fight, because his birthday is in August. And if they're staying in September, Miocic will actually be 40. And then as far as John Jones goes, the one benefit he has is we've always said that the heavyweights, to us, it looks like you can hit your prime at 30, but you can also hit it at 35, maybe even 38, and you can definitely take your career into your 40s. So I don't know if there's this whole thing of not turning back and going back to 205. Who knows? But uh, A, I think John Jones will eventually go back to 205. I don't think it's going to go good for him at heavyweight, so, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I, don't think, yeah, he I think he'll go back. He used to be one of those guys that would weigh in at 203 and walk around at 227, 228. So... I think he's just going through this I'm getting jacked phase because he wants to make history because John Jones is, to me, still undefeated. He has the one technical loss. I get that. He was kicking his ass, but he did make an illegal move, so the L has to hang there. But, you know, you, he's got a tied um, DJ with 11 title defenses. So the only thing really left for him is just to make sure, hey, I am the guy, everyone. I'm the greatest. And for a lot of people, he's not. Some people say, I hold USADA against him. Some people say, well, he didn't win in two weight classes. And I think there's nothing he can do about USADA. That's going to be up there forever on the resume. But two weight classes, he can do something about it. I think that's what he's trying to do here. If he beats Miocic, one more fight, and then, man, he's got a really good case against the GSPs, the world, uh, whoever else, you know. The, it hurts Habib. Habib was undefeated, but he didn't win two titles. So Hudo did win two titles, but he also had two losses, one which was avenged, but he also had two title defenses. GSP only defended one title. He never defended middleweight. So, you know, every, all these – Anderson Silva, I used to make it look easy. You know what I mean? All these all these fights, even Demetrius Johnson – they all have certain things that they can say, but where John Jones gets lost is, is 11 title defenses, hats off, undefeated, hats off. Hey, USADA, some people have a problem with that. You didn't win it in a second uh, weight class, some people have a problem with that. I think he's trying to at least correct one of those. Yeah, the USADA one, even for me, that one's kind of hard to get around because uh, you're talking about you're talking about pound-for-pound pound greatness, and when you do that, you really have to nitpick on things. And that's why, like, I kind of wish Habib was in the sport a little bit longer. Just two more fights, maybe three. Yeah. And, and I think that would have been almost untouchable, you know, at that point. But because he left when he did, I honestly think after a while he might get not forgotten about, but he might be like the third or fourth name that just kind of pops in your head. Because aside from that, He's like GSP. He's just kind of quiet. He doesn't really say much. He's not really in the news very often. So after a while, man, people forget about you. Yeah. Well, being undefeated, definitely he'll be in arguments for greatest of all time. He only got to three title defenses. It would have been nice for him to get to at least five. You know, like right now, actively, Usman's at five. Valentina's at six. Amanda's at seven. They're active fighters. 
Jones is at 11. He's an active fighter. Johnson is at 11. He's an active fighter. You know, you you come up short in the title defense part, but undefeated's nice. I understand why he did it because of his dad. And who knows, man? Habib might still come back. You never know, although he does seem to be a man of his word. But he seemed to tie it down to, I didn't want to disappoint my mom. I made her a promise. And you never know. What if the mom says, I think it's time for you to get back in there? Then he could really come back without us going, boy, so much for being a man of your word. I don't think anybody would say that. But um, I don't think he wanted to fight Usman because they're stable mates at Dominance MMA. And I'm not saying he probably saw that, that was a tough matchup. The one thing I will say about Habib, if you ever, if any of you ever get in arguments over who's the greatest of all time, one thing you could use with Habib is, man, that guy may not have even lost rounds. I mean, he really, yeah. you know, like he really, really was impressive in that regard. GSP didn't lose too many rounds, but GSP also had so many way more title fights. And in those title fights, it's when you sometimes drop these rounds, but um anyway we're losing track here jones versus miocic oh man just so frustrating goes that you know more than likely it would be for the interim title and i wonder if these guys get a little too cute if dana might just not go nah let's do aspinall and uh tie to ivasa for the for the interim title or let's give Cyril gone another chance you know because they like to promote and when they're short on names, they need to throw that title thing in there. And all of a sudden, they'll just come up with something crazy. Like, and actually, it's not as crazy when he, when he dumbs it down like this. Dana might go, we asked them, but they weren't ready. This ball keeps rolling. I like it when he does say that because then he puts the onus on the fighters for taking so much time, time off and not being ready to fight. I, I think that's absolutely what could, could happen. I could totally see that scenario. And I really do think that's that's what will eventually happen, just because uh, you have two fighters that are just notorious for kind of, call it what you will, if you call it getting cute or being smart about your career, you have to realize at some point that the UFC has built a business where they put you in an arena where you have limitations as far as how much you can do. And they use that against you. So if they get too too cute with, well, I only want to fight here, or I need to pay pay this, or all that, I think that's when they do kind of flash those little things. Well, let's just do this. And they're real casual about it, too. Uh, so, yeah, John Jones a little bit more has been, been out for a while, just uh, making it look like he calls the shots when he really doesn't. So, yeah, I could totally see the UFC doing something like that. Here's the other thing, too. Why will Miocic be at his best in September? Like, a lot of fighters only need two months. Why wouldn't he be ready? We're not even in May yet, technically. And this thing's like the first week in July. So that's a good nine weeks. Why wouldn't he just be ready in July? Uh, That's what I'm wondering. If I'm Dana White or one of the matchmakers, like, you should kind of always be in shape. You kind of knew that you wanted to be involved in all this, especially with Big Fran on the sidelines. You know we want to get this interim thing going. Why aren't you ready now? You know, they they, they really could sidestep Miocic and just say, well, then Jones versus Tuivasa. We need something in July. I don't know if Jones would put his foot down. I'm happy Jones is even just talking about it because for a while there, the whole other thing was, has he agreed to a number yet? Like, What's this number going to be? You know, he wanted to get paid more. Has he already at least agreed to that? 
oh man, the heavyweight division is is without having Francis in there smashing, it kind of is a little bit of a mess right now um, with with these guys and whatever's happening behind the scenes. What what do you think benefits him more? If he fights a guy like let's say Tai Tuivasa, it's a guy that's going to come forward, a guy that hits really hard, but he's he's stockier. It's going to be harder for him to get to John. No wrestling, great leg kicks. He's um, more active too, right? Versus Stipe is, I think, a very tough matchup. Stipe hasn't fought in a while. You don't really know where his head's at. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the UFC would really, how they would look at that. I think Jones is better off against possibly Stipe right now, man. Tuivasa just seems to be clicking. Like, he can take a punch, and he'll take it. He'll eat it just to get to you. He has hard leg kicks. He's just younger, man. Um Miocic, I don't think fears Jones's power because Jones never really had the one one punch power. He's more of a volume guy. I think Miocic probably doesn't fear Jones's takedowns as much. I think he could, you know, he wrestled in college. He works on his wrestling, I imagine. I, I don't think either guy would really have much to take the other guy down. And if they did, I think both guys could probably get up. So I'm just I'm just looking mostly at stand-up battles right now. Now, Miocic might be the more lucrative fight for him, but he's not going to get pay-per-view points for that. He's not a champion yet. So he's just going to get some sort of a, a flat pay, and unless that flat pay is just literally way more with Miocic than Tuivasa. I think the business of the, the business end of the deal is winning the interim title and then getting pay-per-view points when you unify versus Francis and Ganu. You don't want to miss out on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, another thing here with July, it's pretty clear to me that the UFC wants to have this stadium show with Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. And it's like that's why they're icing out Nate Diaz and just not offering him Dustin Poirier, who's more than willing. They're both more than willing to fight each other. Do you like that it's being forced? this way i know once they get to fight week we'll be buzzing yeah man finally part three but right now i'm like now it's almost like a force and i you know i know that this thing's been hanging out there for about five years now and we always said oh yeah it'll be good at any time it'll be good at any time it will be good at any time again i'll be i'll be the happiest guy in las vegas on fight week but right now as i'm watching it I kind of want to see Diaz versus Poirier or Diaz versus McGregor, to be honest. You want to see it over that? Yeah, um, because the other one, like, it's a rivalry, but if you guys didn't care in the last five years to fight each other and and settle this rivalry, it's, it's almost like Sam Stout versus Spencer Fisher, where they took, like, fucking, it seemed like 10 years until they finally got part... So part three, and yes, we remember the first two were barn burners. But what took you guys so long? Like, right? I always tell people, Santos, Thiago Santos versus John Jones was amazing. Santos on one leg. He almost won the title. It was a split decision. I can't wait to see part two. But he's got to get his knees fixed. Right. So who, who's up next? Rams versus Jones. All right, let's watch that one. Then that one turns out to be a classic. We don't know unless the fight happens. It could be that Poirier versus Diaz might be better than both McGregor versus Diaz fights. We won't know until it happens. And um, and the fact that they want to fight each other, 
I don't know. I, I, I just, I really, I'm not lying. This isn't like some hot take or nothing. I'm, I'm, right now, I think I'd rather see Poirier versus Diaz more than Diaz versus McGregor. I'm not in that same boat with you, just because. I look I, when we look at Nate Diaz. I don't think we're we're looking at him as a guy that's going to go on and win a title, have a reign. So that fight to me doesn't really like prove anything. Where at least McGregor Diaz proves something, right? An end of the trilogy. Even though in my head, there's not so much of a trilogy. You know, one guy finished the other guy, right? The referee had to pull him off, or the other guy was going to be in a lot of serious trouble. In the second fight, it took judges to tell us who won, right? So in a way, if I'm Nate Diaz, I feel like, dude, I got you, you know? But I feel like there's more on the line with that than there is with Poirier and Nate Diaz. So I guess I'm still still on that side, but I agree with you in the sense that I'm not as fired up as I used to be for it. Okay. Well... I just, I mean, I don't know if they get daily updates on the guy's leg, but you're playing with fire, man, because if he, if he's not ready to go by July, um, you will have kind of wasted all this time when these two other guys might have had a great fight. And I still feel like you probably could have negotiated, hey, Nate, um, I know you want to leave us at some point to probably box Jake Paul. But fight Poirier and then give us six more months. And when you we make the fight versus McGregor or we don't, and then go fight. All that can be written in some sort of a language where it protects Nate and his upcoming free agency. But it also puts him in line to make a pretty pretty penny versus McGregor. Um, I think just as much as he would make versus Jake Paul. The most Jake Paul seems to have paid an opponent in the past. It's the two million that they gave to Tyrone Woodley. Let's say he doubles that and gives four million. Nate Diaz. I think the UFC can definitely give Diaz four million, and who knows what McGregor will make. You know, um, Diaz would probably even make more than that. I think all that can be spoken between these parties so that you know everyone gets it. Now, the only thing I can think of is maybe Diaz is like, oh man, but. That means I got to work on jujitsu and, and wrestling and my neck and my back. You know, maybe there's maybe quietly there's just something that wants to get him out of our sport that he can't share. Whereas just boxing, he's okay. He has one more fight in him. There's a lot of that stuff that sometimes we don't know or we don't find out till careers are over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I can think of. But I I mean, like I say, they, they both seem to want to fight each other, and I f- I feel like all that can be written down in some sort of a contract so everyone's happy, everyone's getting paid, and if McGregor is not ready to go, and boom, guess what? You can now leave and go do whatever you got to do with Jake Paul. You're not going to Bellator. Nate, stop it with that. You want to fight Jake Paul? I get that. Um, but I, I would just think that all this could be agreed upon somehow. You don't think... Uh, uh... See, there's a part of me that thinks he 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 maybe would go to Bellator if things didn't work out. But yeah, I think I think the Paul fight is something that he's angling for. Those guys, when it comes to money, I mean, regardless, they're going to give you. We know what Nate Diaz is going to show up, and they're not afraid to take a beating. So those guys just aren't afraid of anything. Um, I think eventually well, that fight does happen with Jake Paul. 
Uh, you know, you're right. He because see, he could go to Bellator and Bellator would allow him to box, so he could do both. Yeah, but yeah, over maybe. at Bellator, he he might get um like five hundred thousand show maybe. I don't see them doing more than that. Okay, I'll be generous, maybe a million, but he's, that's it. There's going to be no more pay per view points. And Nate, the fights that are lurking for him in the UFC, I think he could probably negotiate more than a million dollar payday. Um, that's why I, I, I think you know he would get paid more if he stays. But if he has some sort of a business, like a dispensary, I know he does his appearances or whatever. But let's just say something as really, really formidable that makes him another fifty million a year that we don't know about. He he might be at the point where he just doesn't care about it, like something like with what Mike Tyson has. You know, not just like okay, this weekend he's signing autographs. I know those pay anywhere between five thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand, or whatever. But that's not like having a fifty million dollar a year business already in your name, which I know he's got an academy that runs or whatever. But I don't know if he has all that other stuff going on. The only other thing I can think of goes is, is if you were to tell him this would piss a couple guys off, primarily Makashev, Dos Anjos, Dariush. But if you told them. Poye and Nate, you're fighting. The winner gets the winner of Oliveira and Gagey. Eesh. That might be interesting. People um, are going to be furious. Furious, hell yeah. But there's got to be some sort of a tie-in. Um, Nate, you get the title shot if Connor's not ready to come back, if you beat Poye. But if Connor comes back, you get the Connor shot, and then after the Connor fight, you guys are done, unless it's a draw. <laughs> uh, but Poirier, guess what? You know, I guess you get the title shot, especially if it's Gagey because you beat him. But if it's Oliveira, sorry, you just ran it, and you step aside for Makashev and Dariush. Now, would UFC ever say all that publicly? Probably not. Um, no, but I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to make them all happy, I guess, in a way. And uh, maybe I'm not succeeding. Actually, all that I just said kind of makes sense. I just don't know that you could just put it all out there somehow in paper. And, and if you speak it, one of these guys is going to backstab you, and then it's going to look like right. Yeah, the especially I can't. just the political the, playing the political game or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the UFC is good at is keeping it on the ramps and then making the best business decision at hand with whatever's you know on the table, but. Oh man, crazy stuff there. Um, let me see. We're gonna save some of the boxing talk from Michael Rosenthal. I guess a couple quick nuggets. The UFC heads back to Austin on June 18th. One championship signed a five year deal with Amazon with a minimum of 12 annual events to stream on Prime Video. Any way you slice the pie, that's pretty big, <laughs> right? I don't know how they do these things, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that is pretty huge, um, yeah, especially Amazon considering big. I've never really considered Amazon to really be a player in this type of market. So that's the one thing about one championship is I think thinking outside of the box is what keeps them alive, I think. Well, they got their... Um... You know, their original series on, and but they have a lot of subscribers. So, you know, it's news. Check it out. It's all on Junkie. 
UFC's headed back to the O2 in London. They had such a great time. They said they'd be back. I think it'd be this soon, but on July 23rd, the UFC will head back to the O2. I know it's not a pay-per-view because I know that there's a pay-per-view on the 30th, I believe, of July. And uh, but but they're heading back, so that they're kind of keeping their promise. They're speaking of promises, didn't they promise Gachi Palace an event when all that fell through? Dana White said, yeah. You guys came through, you were willing to do something during the pandemic, it was gonna be the first show back. What's taking that one so long? They've been to Cali because they were in Ghana, and Ghana was in Anaheim. Well, it's not always a guarantee, right? When Dana White says those types of things, well, wasn't there one card where we're like we're gonna make this up to? SoCal or something oh. like that. They they never oh, did SoCal? that. Did they ever go back to what was it, Calgary, where a car just fell apart and was atrocious? I think it took them five years to get back to that one. But they've had a couple of these where, yeah, we're gonna do this, and then just kind of. I I don't really see a scenario where where they would go. But I mean, they love money so much, and I don't know how much you could generate a at a Tachi Palace. But uh, yeah, I don't expect the card there anytime soon. I think of ruthless people. Hey, look! No, uh, somebody falls in. Is anybody going to save him or her? I forget what they say. It's an old school movie, and somebody goes, there's sharks down there. There's a tide that's coming in, and some guy goes, hey, look! It's money! Because remember the money that come out of... The briefcase. Uh, yeah, the briefcase. <laughs> I'll start diving in or whatever. Um, all right. Masvidal. Remember I told you ago, I think what's going to happen is they're just going to order him to stay away from Colby Covington. I don't think anyone really needs to go to jail. Well, there's still an ex-court date set where we find out more stuff, but for now, the judge has told Masvidal, stay away from Covington. I kind of thought it had gone down to that, and frankly, I'm fine with just that. I know lessons need to be taught, but I'm pretty sure by now, Masvidal knows I'm a millionaire. I don't need to be doing this. I socked him once, loosened, loosened his tooth. You know, maybe we're even for the family stuff. Uh, I I don't believe Masvidal wants to kill him. And then as far as the fight, that already happened in the octagon. That's done. In fact, Masvidal's been pretty honest and saying, man, that guy's just a beast when it comes to wrestling. I'm going to go to Penn State and focus on just wrestling so I can continue my career. I wish we would just leave it at that. No, they got to still have another court date. But, but um. Anyway, well, do you care about this or what? It's it's 500 feet from Covington's residence, and he's not permitted to contact Covington directly or indirectly. Yeah, it's just it's called a stay away order. Uh, I think what's interesting about all that is he's claiming a brain injury, right? Colby is. Is he really? I believe that. Yeah. So that's the thing, dude. Like Colby Covington knows Jorge Masvidal, and he knows how to sting him. And I think, I think he's just over. Like people are going to say, "Oh, you're a punk for calling the cops." I, I just don't think he cares. I think he cares. How can I annoy this guy the most possibly? It's by going after his money and that type of stuff, and and uh, putting him in jail. So Colby's going to write all this out. But yeah, I believe one of the things that came out was he says he's got some kind of brain injury from the attack or something. So he's looking so at a lawsuit then, huh? Right. I think he's going to do that. This is kind of like our boy Richard Hunter where he says he's going to make you pay, man, if you mess with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got it. I mean, look, Richard has always been that way, our co-host on Triple G Show. So I think he has more of a leg to stand on when it comes to those types of 
morals or ethics or whatever you want to call them. But I think with these two, I just think that, you know, I think one guy getting his tooth dislodged and getting attacked like that, it wasn't worse. All right. It could have been, but it wasn't. Like I said, he didn't he he didn't wind up in Key Biscayne Bay or something like that. He's alive, he's good. Just leave it alone, you know. But I guess if he's gonna do this, I'm telling you, this is where the whole thing can twist around one way or another. Um if if it's for real, then that's unfortunate. You know. Um, but if it's not and he's just in that game, then I don't know, man. I think life is going to continue cycling that way, and someone's going to play that game on you, you know, one way or another. Because it's not like Kobe's innocent in this whole thing. I hear you. You can say whatever you want. It is the beauty of rights that we have here in the United States. But at the same time, you can't just say anything um, you always want and expect under the letter of the law, you'll always be protected. You should be, right? But that's not always going to happen. Mazdal happen to be silly enough to go public with it and say this is what i did earlier today or whatever and he put out that right. video you know there, there's a chance that sometimes street justice gets thrust on you and you don't find out who it was you can't sue them you know what i mean you can't find out anything that happens all the time it happens every day i wish people would understand that that's why sometimes you really do have to you know think with your head is what, is what i'm trying to say yeah, this, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation that they're even having to go through all this. But here's the thing, though. If you're Colby Covington and you're claiming this for some kind of lawsuit, that probably puts an end to your fighting career, right? You can't say, ah, oh, I suffered a brain injury and then go out and fight someone. So I don't know how this far. I don't know if this is going to have any legs. Um, but if, if he's claiming that he can no longer do his career because of Jorge Masvidal and what, his attack, then that's one hell of a price civil lawsuit, right? That you could file on a guy. Uh, that would be pretty bad. So we'd have to see. Yeah. Well, see how that one plays out. The steal of the line from UFC president Dana White. Lastly, uh, Derek Lewis is. I talked about the UFC heading back to Austin, and then they're going back to um, London. Derek Lewis and Sergey Pavlovich are going to fight at UFC 270. On July 30, there's tons of great news scattered throughout MMA Junkie. We have a great channel called on YouTube called uh, MMA Junkie Video. It's youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Wow, it's getting windy here in Las Vegas. I don't know if you heard that noise, but something fell in the backyard. Uh, and lastly, I just want to say the, the, the PFL fights are, are tonight. Uh, it is featherweights and it is heavyweights. Goes one thing I learned from last week is appreciate the regular season in a way with how valuable a first round stoppage can be or even a second round stoppage i'm telling you you get one of those and you're almost already in the playoffs at least from the history now of watching the watching it a, a little bit and now that some of these names have come back a few times palmer trains at extreme couture we always catch up with chris wade we've followed bubba jenkins for a long time over at bellator and now at pfl you know, like they have some really, really um, great welterweights or featherweight, featherweights, I should say. Brendan Lochnane is another one that's solid. Like, I really think if you if you haven't gotten into PFL, tonight's a good night to possibly start. Just put two TVs up or two computer screens up, NFL draft. I, mean, I guess if you're into that, 
and uh and and pfl it's gonna be really really a fun night tonight but you know what i'm saying right about these finishes like that little point system you can really relieve yourself of a lot of stress the rest of the summer by getting that first round stoppage yeah i mean if you if you can get that first round stoppage you're in a great situation where you can even maybe uh you could be a little bit more strategic about your second fight, you know, because you know, point wise, you don't really need that finish in the in the next one. You just kind of need to win. So, I think uh, some of the guys that we've talked to this year for PFL have expressed just how important it is to stay healthy and safe, you know, to progress through this tournament or season. So. A little takedown, a body triangle. All right, don't give me yep. the ten eight. I'll just give me a ten nine. Now we're into round two. Keep my hands over my head, not get knocked out. Don't break my hands. Maybe I give you round two. I rest up. Then round three, I get a takedown, get that body triangle, survive, get the hell out of there. Who knows? But keep an eye on those first round finishes. They're difference makers. Shoeface, who won the light heavyweight title last year and came off uh, a run in the UFC where he had more losses than wins, he's now a millionaire. And he's playing it safe, and he's doing his thing. Although he did get his cage rattled uh, in those 29 seconds that, that that he fought, he did get hit once nicely. But he's doing it nice over there. He, he's figured it out. Yeah, man, this wind is is murdering me, murdering me. And all I can think about too is how are they going to do the draft, George? Because that's out in the middle of the Bellagio Fountains. If this wind picks up, or if it keeps going like that, that's going to be real tough to do outdoors. Is it all outdoors? I thought it was like a, they built a little uh, indoor, a, a little arena per se, or something like that. Is what I had read. I don't know. I thought that was kind of like the the hook. Hmm. The hook. The hoof. The hoof. Oh, uh, let's see here. I'm gonna look at. We got Michael Rosenthal coming up here in just a couple minutes. The weather does show wind ending at 4 p.m. This thing starts at 5. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm sure they thought about it, though, especially because the last few days have been, the last few months have been windy. The NFL has resources. So I bet you they've kind of created some sort of a little cozy confine that can still make it outdoors, but but hopefully protect the stage. Uh, I think people won't necessarily care too much about wind unless they suffer from allergies like you do. But for the most part, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Michael Rosenthal is ready to go. So he is part of USA Today Sports Family. He's like family to us. Um, he writes over at Boxing Junkie. And again, I'll point to Boxing Junkie has this article on Fury and Nganu that you can now see on MMA Junkie, but it's been up on Boxing Junkie. My point is uh, Boxing Junkie, you know, is – covering the sport and they've been on top of this since this past weekend when Francis Ngannou entered the ring at Wembley Stadium after Tyson Fury had beaten Dillian White. A bunch of other articles you can catch there as well so you can keep up with the sport, everything that's happening. Um, so check that out. All right, let's get to Michael Rosenthal. All right, it's time to talk some sweet science with our colleague here at USA Today Sports. He is an editor and writer for Boxing Junkie. Mike Rosenthal is back. How are you doing? Michael, sorry. Michael Rosenthal, uh, 
do you prefer Michael Mike? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Either way. Great to have you back here on MMA Junkie. And you know your art, your uh, recent article talking about Fury versus Ngannou, the headline was perfect. Great business, yes, but it is an utter mismatch. Um, I feel the same way when it comes to most of these matches that are proposed. Like another one that's being thrown around is Usman and and uh, Canelo Alvarez. No. And, and so, but on this one, I would say the four ounce glove twist. And the fact that they are heavyweights, could is utter mismatch maybe a little too strong, or do you really feel like there's just no chance here? It's it's the same as it's almost the same for me as the the Fury Dillian White fight. It's just a puncher's chance. Um, yeah, I, the, the gloves probably would help uh, increase his chances, but I still think the chances are very very small. He'd have to land a lucky punch, uh, but. As I understand it, he's not the quickest guy in the world, Nganu. Um, so Fury's just such an uh, incredible boxer and, he, and, he, and uh, has a really high ring IQ. I just think he, he would see everything coming. It would be very, very difficult for Nganu to land that punch. In the meantime, Fury would just pick him apart. Now, what about when you hear about fighters that are highly skilled, especially the ones Fury's always going to fight? He's always going to fight number one contenders, undefeated fighters, or, or maybe fighters that have only had a loss or two in their career. and But what you're expecting is what you would normally expect from someone that is as good as the, as the sweet science as you are, you know, with 20 years of experience, 30 years of experience, whatever it is. Someone that's a complete um, opposite of that, like, uh, you know, they're so novice. Can they possibly even be not more dangerous, but does that, I guess, throw a little bit of a wrench into what you're expecting when it comes to angles and and uh, in, in footwork and stuff like that? That's actually that's an interesting perspective, uh, actually. Um, yeah, boxers have told me that in some ways it's easy to fight guys who've grown up in the sport because you, you see things that you've seen, you know, so many times in the past. If a guy comes and he's not a conventional boxer, he's got a weird, awkward style, um, you can be taken by surprise. Uh, you, 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 you're encountering things that you haven't seen in the past, and that can always be dangerous. Uh, so, yeah, that's maybe another thing that works for a guy like Ngannou. For Tyson Fury, what does he have to gain from this? I feel like there's still some boxing matches. And I, you know, I read a lot of the articles on Junkie and even though Boxing Junkie, and even though he has talked about retirement, eh, nobody really seems to be buying that. Does this, is he falling maybe into the ego side of things as well? Baddest man on the planet? Or is an Nganu, an Nganu match really a big business as it maybe appears to be, or is he selling it? I'm not sure what Fury's thinking. You know, he always calls himself a fighting man, quote unquote fighting man. I think what to him that means that he's more than just a boxer. I don't think it's an ego thing. Uh, I think he just loves to fight. And again, he's the fighting man. So he'll fight any way you want him to fight. Uh, remember, he's an Irish traveler and there's the, the fighting is part of that culture uh, among the men, uh, maybe among the women. I don't, I don't know. Um there's a lot of money to be made. This is the part I don't understand. There's a lot of money to be made, but there's also a lot of money to be made in boxing. So I'm not sure why he's doing this right now. I would think he would take the uh, the path that Canelo is taking. It's like, okay, maybe that's a possibility somewhere down the line, uh, but that's yeah. not what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to enhance my legacy right now in boxing. Michael, the closest thing that we've had in our sport uh, come to this is Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. 
if you were in charge of this fight, promoting this fight, what would you do differently than the way they handled that whole thing with the media tour, all that? Is there anything different you would do if you were the promoter of, of this event? Well, I, I guess the short answer to that is nothing uh, because, you know, they did 4.3 million pay-per-view buys in the United States uh, and made a zillion dollars. So whatever they did, they did right. Um, I guess a lot of people were convinced that McGregor had a chance to win, which is great for the, you know, the people behind the promotion. And I think a lot of people knew that it was a long shot, but they still wanted to see it anyway. Um, you know what they did is they just focused on the personalities of the two guys. Now, those are two big personalities. Uh, I'm not really sure how big Ngannou's personality is, but Fury's personality is enormous. Um, so I would just focus on that. Um, show a lot of highlight films of Nagano knocking people out. Um, I think essentially the same thing. Focus on the personalities. Uh, they're not going to do 4.3 million, but they'll do very good business um, if they follow that game plan. Would you say everything that went down that night with that fight, did it help a cause like this, or did it do it? You know, did it hurt it a little bit? Because I, you know, George and I, we live in Vegas, and we remember how high the prices got up for watching. Uh, they would open up a viewing party like every hour at a different place because they were running out of room. And um, that doesn't necessarily always happen here in Las Vegas. There were a lot of fans that walked out very soured on it. They said, oh, we'll never do this again. However, uh, we're still talking about it, and it made a lot of money. So do you think that whole, that whole scenario helped, or do you think it would do it a disservice? That's a good question. I, I guess uh, knowledgeable, intelligent fans who really were expecting something more than they got might not come back for something like that. But you know what? That was an event. It was more like a pro wrestling kind of deal, if you will. Um, I, think, I think people had fun with it both before and during and maybe after. Um, and if you had your eyes open, you sort of should have known what was, what was coming. I mean, McGregor picked on arguably the best fighter of the last half century. Um, he was a little bit older, but he was still really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. It, I would say if, uh, to answer your question, maybe it hurt it a little bit. I think that maybe opened up some dot, some eyes that this isn't going to work. But then again, then you have fights like, it's not as big, obviously, but you have fights like Anderson Silva and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., where Silva shocks everybody and wins the fight. So, you know, who knows? Anything's possible. And the heavyweight factor maybe helps, too, uh, for Fury and Nagano, because, yeah, he might land a big punch. People uh, maybe will pay to see if that happens. You know, you brought up Canelo Alvarez and the way he kind of dismissed Usman, you know, he basically said, I'm still kind of creating my own legacy. Um, now, this is where we lean on you for your boxing expertise. I know he's got a fight coming up uh, on May 7th, but I guess he's taking some heat that he may not be fighting the best opposition out there. Is that because he's going up in weight, or is this like a, you know, promoters can't work with certain promoters? What? Why is he uh, getting that type of criticism when he clearly appears to be fighting frequently and, and tough fighters? Well, I don't know about the past. I mean, I, I have some objections to who he's fought in the past. He was fighting legitimate contenders, but he wasn't fighting the best guys that he could possibly fight. My, my thing is, is that he's put too much emphasis on, on collecting belts, which don't mean that much to me, uh, instead of focusing on the guy across the ring. For example, I think if, if, if fans had their way, he would fight David Benavides. That would be the guy that he would fight, uh, a 168-pounder. Uh, 
People know who he is. They think that he might be the biggest threat uh, to Canelo, but instead he, he wants to enhance his legacy by collecting uh, light, more light heavyweight belts. So he moves up and he fights a guy named Dimitri Bivol, who's to me is completely legitimate. He's better than, uh, than any of the guys he's fought in the last several fights, uh, but nobody knows who he is. So I don't know. I, I doubt he's the same threat that Benavides, Benavides is, but Vivol's a, is a good fighter. So some of the criticism is justified, and I've been part of that, uh, but some of it's not. Uh, in this case, he's fighting a good fighter. Is he? Do you think he's really taking Usman serious at all, as, as Furious appears to be taking Nganu, or is he just messing with him? No, nah, I mean, maybe maybe somewhere down the line from a business standpoint, that's a fight that he would consider. Canelo and Fury are really different. Fury's really a showman. He loves being up there. Even if he's not fighting, he loves to be up there entertaining people. Canelo is just like a boxer through and through. Fury is too, but in addition to that, he's a, a showman. Canelo is not much of a showman. Um, I don't think that kind of thing would appeal to him as much, uh, to be honest. But from a business standpoint, I think the boxers see that as an easy payday and a big, a big easy payday. So uh, I think it's attractive from that standpoint. But who knows? He's a superstar too. Maybe somewhere down the line he does something like that. Lastly, on Canelo, why hasn't the Triple G uh, trilogy been completed? I see him still number nine on your pound for pound rankings at Boxing Junkie. So obviously he still has some juice. Others have said he's aged. But what, what do you think? Is this is it inevitable? Well, he's definitely aged. I mean, he's 40 years old now. Uh, but he looked I thought he looked pretty good in his last fight. Well, they're supposed to uh they're supposed to fight in September. That's supposed to be Canelo's next uh next fight, according to the deal he has with uh DeZone. I don't not hundred percent sure it's like contractually locked in, but that but that's the plan. So I think he's gonna fight him in September, uh, which is I think a great thing because Golovkin earned it. Some people think he won. Both of the first two fights, Golovkin. So I think he deserves a shot, but it's probably too late for him at 40 years old. But who knows? You know, he's a Hall of Famer. You never know what uh, what these guys do. Look what Pacquiao did against Keith Thurman. That was pretty surprising. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, lastly, Chris Cyborg, who uh, has been one of the best female fighters in mixed martial arts for many years. She's won four major belts, UFC, Bellator, Strikeforce. Invicta, and so now they asked what was next after her recent title defense at Bellator 279. She says, I want to go to boxing. What makes things a little bit more easier here is it appears in June she'll be out of her contract where she could possibly, you know, explore that option. Now, the president of Bellator said, Hey, she could have done it all the time, it was in her contract. And, and to be to be fair, Scott Coker, the president. He has let fighters go to other promotions. It's, it doesn't seem to be as strict as UFC. All right. My question is, who would be the most likely opponent for her if she were to go? Like, I know Clarissa Shields is a, is a champion at middleweight, 160, which is probably Cyborg's walk-around weight. But she's also kind of trying her hand at at, uh, at MMA and appear to be kind of friends. Not to say friends have never fought. The other lady that I saw was Jessica McCaskill, who seems to be the uh, undisputed across all the promotions at 147, and that's where Cyborg cuts to when she fights the MMA. She cuts to 145. Do you think she might be more likely, or do you have a name where we can at least begin to even you know, think about a possible matchup? We, we don't have a name yet. I think 
I'm just sort of re- I haven't really thought about this until you just brought it up, but um, it depends on what Cyborg wants to do. If she's like serious about boxing and she wants to, um, I, I don't know if ease into it's the right term, but if she wants to to take a fight or two and then maybe fight for a world title, if that's her goal, maybe you fight a nobody at first and then a, maybe a McCaskill. But if she wants to make a big splash and she has confidence in her abilities and she's got guts, um, just jump right to Clarissa Shields, I would say, because that would be uh, – talk about a huge crossover fight. Um, and, and I would think Shields would be a big, big favorite in that fight. But, you know, I was just – for to prepare for this, I was watching some some video of Cyborg, and she's a beast. Um, yeah. She's, she's a wild – maybe a little bit wild in her striking, but, man, oh, man, she's a beast. She seems like a different kind of person. She might have some success in boxing – um, so it depends on what she wants to do. If she wants to make a big splash, jump in with McCaskill's really good. Uh, or if you really want to make a huge splash, jump in with Clarissa Shields. That would be an enormous fight uh, from a business standpoint. So it depends on what she wants. I don't know if the last fight was one of the fights that you researched, but that Arlene Blanco, she came over from the boxing world. And what impressed me was when when – uh, Chris just threw hands, like you said. At times, she really looked sharp. You know, like there's there's other times where she would be, you know, she would be a little bit more wild. The punches weren't as straight, but when she said it, I didn't seem as um, negative towards you know that possible dream of hers going to boxing. As every time I hear one of the MMA guys say it, uh, it they just appear to be way, way, you know, out of their realm, out of the realm of possibility of doing something serious. You know, there's also, I got to be careful how I say this, I guess, the the depth of talent isn't quite the same in women's boxing. So right. there's there's, uh, there's a lot more higher number of, of men who are really high quality elite fighters, you know, in, in each given weight class. It's not the same with women. So she might be able to to, to slip in that way, too. Um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, for you to say. Yeah, that. she's got a, hear, she has a lot of, yeah, she has a lot of experience what she does. Again, she looked like a different kind of beast to me so uh i'd be really curious to see what what she could do she might who knows she might have some success well high praise from one of the best in the business michael rosenthal from boxing junkie so thank you as always for popping in here and lending your expertise we really really appreciate it great article there about fury and ganu uh, and uh we're it's on mma junkie as well so Thanks, we appreciate guys. your time and i hope you have a, a good day you too take care well, he made it pretty clear, goes coming from the boxing lenses. Uh, these guys, they don't know what they're barking at. You know, if, if they do get these fights, oh, the, he doesn't give them too much of a chance. Like, I, I to be honest, like, I kind of agree, but I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, remember, wasn't he saying the same thing about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? <laughs> Every now and again, dude, I'm telling you, like, it just depends. But the small gloves, I think, is really the key. Um, but Fury and Alvarez are like top shelf, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a little bit different. But I want to thank Michael Rosenthal for joining us here on the show. And uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in. As always, Mondays and Thursdays here on MMA Junkie. And of course, you can grab this podcast over at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And again, more goes and I over at the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. Check out our weekly series, Spinning Back. Click there, where we discuss all of the latest news along with our colleagues. 
right, folks. We are out of here. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the NFL draft, PFL tonight, UFC this weekend. And always keep it locked on MMA Junkie. Talk to you soon. Go out to be a champion. <laughs>